0: You chose to be here. You, you ever realize that we're in a world that loves to celebrate? Like you head to the local stadium or sports place and the, a ball goes through a hoop, somebody runs across a, a line on a field, and, and people go ballistic. But this morning, as we're celebrating the greatest event of all time, I thought we'd start a new tradition here at ABF. Are you guys okay with this? And so, in fact, Psalms 47 1 says, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. So I'm going to do something. We're going to try something here this morning. I'm going to say, Christ is risen, and then I want you guys to concern our neighbors, all right? So your job is that. So I want to invite up some helpers here, to help us cheer, and uh... Wow, this is a lot more than the first service. And so, are you guys ready? So, on the count of three, I'm going to say Christ is risen, and then you guys are going to pretend like we're not Baptist, all right? All right. So, on the count of three one, two, three, Christ is risen. What a great way to start our morning, right? What a gift these guys have been. So grateful for such a a wonderful worship team. So glad you chose to be here this morning. I know there's a lot of competing things during this time of the year with family and fun activities, but hopefully our time together will be profitable. We've been spending the last uh, three weeks going through a, a series called Radical Jesus. And the idea behind this series has been taking a closer look at Jesus' life and why he's worth leaving everything to follow. We've touched the first week on. We talked about the fact of how he's, he's radical in the way that he served. As the creator God in an earth suit coming down and meeting the needs of his creation. Even to the point we told the story of him washing his followers feet. How extreme was that? Then we took a, take a, took a look at the fact that he spoke boldly. That he wasn't willing to leave people where they're at. He confronted them in their point of need and spoke boldly. Then this past Friday, uh, day before yesterday, we took time to remember on Good Friday that he also died willingly. With the ability to stop it at any point, the uh, uh, ability to push the halt button, he chose to move forward to even death on a cross for you and for I. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. The story continues, and that's why we're here blowing things and shooting (laughs) confetti and cheering, is because the truth is, is what we're looking at here this morning is that he also rose triumphantly. We're not serving a, a dead God. Someone, In fact, we're in a, we're in a world, I've noticed, that's pretty obsessed with the, the, with the crucifix. You can go to the local nightclub and see somebody wearing a crucifix with Jesus on it. But the thing is, I think as a culture, we can get consumed with the dead Jesus and forget that he's a risen Lord, that he's now reigning over all. And that he's the, the one that's, that's putting air in your lungs as you breathe, even as I speak. And so this morning we're celebrating that. And why is that such a big deal? Why did he have to be uh, have this whole resurrection thing to happen? Because there needed to be victory over death. The reason that that, that he was the perfect substitute, God in an earth suit coming down, living the perfect life, dying as a payment for your sin and my sin so that we could experience forgiveness. I love this, this quote of what, what was happening there. It says in this is actually, uh, I actually can't point to who actually said this originally, but it stuck with me. It says this, God treated Jesus Christ as if he had lived your life so that you could be treated as if you had lived Jesus' life. Again, God treated Jesus Christ as if he had lived your life so that you could be treated as if you had lived Jesus' life. That's the good news of the gospel. That he paid the price for you and I, that sacrifice. And that's something worthy of celebrating. That's why we're cheering here. But some of us show up and we're just like, I just don't see it. I don't get it. I, I, I hear, I, I intellectually, I'm aware of all this. I've heard the gospel message. I've, heard, I've seen the, the, the passion of the Christ. I've, I've heard the explanation, but I just don't get it. And this morning, our hope and prayer is, is that there's going to be some, maybe some eyes that are opened. We just moved here, as a lot of you know, from Chicago and left the cold to your beautiful state. I like it. Nicely done. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we moved here and uh, we're, we're renting a townhome right off of Camden. Caden? I'm still learning street names. Canwa, that's it. That's it. And, uh, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's got this perfect view of, uh, of this lady face. Am I saying that right? Lady face mountain range. Well, the first couple of weeks that I was here, I had more people, even Bill, trying to point out to see, do you see the angle of her chin or her nose pointing upward? And I'm like, I just don't see it. I, I, I just see like a random mountain range, yes, beautiful, but no lady's face. And then I think on like number like 47th uh, attempt of showing me this, I, I, I finally am like, wait a second. There is a lady there, and she's reclining. I see her face. Like, it was, it was this aha moment of eyes finally. I know. Did anybody else take a while to see that, too? Please, somebody help me. One person. Okay, I'm the only. Okay, so, so I finally, the, the, the veil came off, and the, I was finally able to see lady's face. And the truth is, nobody got upset at me because I didn't see it. Maybe not. Maybe, Bill, did you get upset? No, and Like, nobody, nobody was upset. Like, in God's timing, sometimes that veil has to come off where we finally see it. And that's what the story that we're going to be looking at this morning in Luke 24 is the story of Jesus meeting two men in their walk, doing life, and, and he finally opens their eyes. They finally see it here this morning. So if you join me in prayer before we dive into the text, and we're going to be turning to Luke 24. God, we thank you so much for this this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate what you've done for us. You could have just left us in the predicament that we are in, but you chose to intervene on our behalf. Came, lived the perfect life as an example for us, then died as a sacrifice for a debt that there was no way that we could pay. We're grateful for that. God, I just pray that this morning would be a morning of, of eyes being opened. I pray that you would speak, that I would get out of the way. There would be very little of me and all about you here this morning. We pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, Luke 24, we're going to be looking at verse 13. I gave, gave us some a cheat sheet up here so you guys could observe. Um, so verse 13 is the beginning of our story, and it's a story of two men, like I mentioned finally having their eyes opened. Let's take a look. It says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes, what does this say? But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Pause there for a second. In the text here, this is the day. It says that day. It was actually the Sunday that Christ arose like he promised he would. And there's two of these guys that are walking. And it says that they were followers of Jesus. Now, follower doesn't necessarily mean follower. That means maybe they had observed and seen. We're going to see from the text that they weren't necessarily true followers. But they were very familiar with Jesus. And we're going to see here that Jesus chooses to pursue the blind. I love that about Jesus Christ, is that he doesn't leave us in the predicament of our blindness, wondering we can't see, can't understand, and he pursues them. Both of them were, were very uh, aware of all that was going on. It says that they were in an intense conversation. Can you imagine with all that had been happening in Israel, one, one day you have the triumphal entry where everybody's celebrating Jesus and cheering him on and waving palm branches, and then what happens after that? A turn of events. The, the, the people that were chanting, celebrating him, are now chanting, "Crucify him." What happened? Where did the where did things turn so desperately wrong? So they're discussing this, and so they're very aware. They're very knowledgeable of what this whole Jesus, who this Jesus had been, what he had done. They had observed some of the maybe the great things that he'd done. So they were very aware. It wasn't that they didn't know it, but they just couldn't see how it was relevant to them. It describes them, it says, it says in the text, that they were kept from recognizing him. Kept from recognizing, what does that mean? What does that mean, kept from recognizing them? Second Corinthians 4, 4 talks about spiritual blindness. It says this, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You see, this isn't something that's uncommon. There's many people that just don't necessarily see it. But I, you see from the text here, it wasn't because these guys weren't interested. I'm not quite sure whether they're traveling seven miles from Jerusalem after all this cool stuff had been uh, playing itself out and wanting to see how the story ends there. They're, they're leaving. So it wasn't that they were interested, and that's what I believe in the world around us. I think we've bought into this lie that people aren't interested to talk about spiritual things. But I think the truth is people wonder, who is this Jesus? How does he relate to my life? Why are they still talking about him and singing about him 2,000 years later? What's that all about? People are interested intellectually. I was, um, one of the things that I did at the last church I was at is we took different teams of young adults over to this local hangout area in Chicago. It's called the Streets of Woodfield. And, uh, and, and we'd go over there on a Friday night where it was just packed with, with people just kind of doing life, doing the Starbucks thing, you know, the Christian drug of choice. And just, sorry, was that a little too close to home? Uh, and, uh, and, and just, just hanging out, doing, doing their thing. And on a Friday night, we went around and we started engaging uh, with folks and just talking with them. And this is the question that we chose to ask this night because it was mostly young people. As We were just wondering. We asked the question. We said, hey, can we're, we said, we're from a church in the area. And we're just talking to people wondering if you can tell us this. We're wondering what would make church more relevant for this next generation. What would make it be something that would meet you at your point of need, where you're at in life? And it was really interesting to hear people's responses. It led to some great conversations that, that evening. But I remember there's a point in the evening that there's a, a few of us that, that were standing around. And they looked over and in the parking area, they had like 20, 30 a lot of guys all in, do, doing the motorcycle thing. Like you've seen, I don't know if in California they all kind of hang out together, but in Chicago area they've got their Harleys, they've got their jet bikes, and they're all kind of—they've got their leather onesies or whatever it is they wear. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and, and so they're all hanging out, and one of the guys that was with me says, says to me, "Well, why don't we go up and talk to those guys?" I'm like. I don't want to go talk to those guys. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, I got to put the pastor hat on. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. And I'm like, I'm walking over there literally like fearing for my life, like not, not knowing if this is going to be my last act here on planet Earth. And, uh, and so I go with these group of guys over there and we go to a crowd of them and, and I go up to them and I say, hey, guys, I know this is, going to, this is going to sound kind of weird, but there's a group of us from a church here and we're just talking to people trying to get their opinion on what would make church more relevant for this next generation. After I said it, I'm kind of like my, my heart's racing, you know. I'm kind of, there's, there's that awkward pause where you're like checking to see if they're like grabbing a clip, you know. Like, what? Well, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, and there's, after this pause for a second, one of the guys sounds out and he says, You know what? It's funny you asked that because we were just talking about that this afternoon. I was like, I was like What? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're, you're just asking that question of, like, how church could be more relevant and how does this whole Jesus thing relate? And it ended up we end up talking to this group of guys for an hour plus about Christ and this great conversation. And to me, what that reminds me of is in the text here the same thing, that people are interested in it, but, they, but maybe they see Jesus more as a topic to talk about rather than a Savior to embrace. A topic to talk about rather than a savior to embrace. They had the knowledge of him. In fact, in the, in the text, what do they refer to Jesus as? They said they 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 knew of him as a man, we're gonna see in a second here, but they didn't see him as creator God, the one that could solve their predicament. But thankfully, Jesus chooses to pursue them in their in their blindness, chooses to go and meet them where they're at. Anybody in here feel that or remember that in your life when God chose to pursue you where you were at? You are clueless. You're doing life. You're kind of doing your thing here. Then all of a sudden, God just rocks your world. He chooses to meet you at your point of need and your confusion. And all of a sudden, when those blinders come off, man, what a day that is. Maybe there's somebody in this room that God's been pursuing for quite a while. When I described this, this idea of these guys that were confused, you're like, that's me. I, I know about them intellectually. But God's maybe chasing you even here this morning. See how the story plays out. Verse 17. There's a difference between knowing and embracing. I call this section. It says this in verse 17. And he, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding? This is Jesus talking. What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, them named Cleopas, rough name, answered them, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. You can see the frustration. A man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at a tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Let's pause there. I love how Jesus chooses to engage with these guys. He just kind of shows up in the middle of their their walk as they're just kind of doing life in the middle of their conversation. And I, I, I kind of like this aspect of Jesus that I think he enjoyed messing with people a little bit. Do, do you guys get that sense in scripture? Like, like he liked to kind of like, I don't know, just mess with people. Anybody else like that? Like, uh, like I like to mess with my kids a little bit. You know, like I, I play tricks on it. I, we could go into that another time. But just that, that whole, that messing with piece I can appreciate about Jesus. And so he just kind of walks up and he's like, what you talking about? Like, do you think Jesus wondered what they were talking about? No, he's choosing to engage these guys exactly where they're at. Look at their response as he asks that question. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know? It's kind of like, moron, are you clueless? You know, like their, their response to Jesus, not, not realizing that they were pretty much in the act of putting their foot right in their mouth uh, as they spoke. And so uh, here, here's the, the thing is all of us can relate with that. Anybody else stick their foot in their mouth regularly? Like, it's, it's pretty much a daily occurrence for me, uh, a regular thing. I've had some bigger ones in my life as I reflect back. One of the one that I can remember, so when I was uh, actually interviewing at the church that I was at before here, it's Harvest Bible Chapel. It was a church of like 14,000. I was their young adults pastor. And in the interviewing uh, process, I went in and they had me speak to the young adults group before coming there. And uh, when I showed up, I was going around and just saying hi to people that were there in the room, and I go up to this uh, older gentleman there, and I say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm Scott, are you a volunteer here? He was with his wife, and, and he's like, you haven't been around here very long, have you? And he's like, it, it was James McDonald, it was the senior pastor. And I uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and so, uh, oh, I was like, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh, I, sorry for missing that. But, but you can all think of times that we've stuck our, our, our foot in our mouth, and that's exactly what these guys are doing right now in this moment. They have no idea what they're in the middle of. And it's, you see in the text that, um, that they knew all the details about him, but they didn't know him. Verse 19 says this, they, their description of him. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word. They knew the details. He was a man, but look at the way that they describe him. A man, a prophet, somebody that's done some good things. How is that similar to our culture today? They think back of Jesus, and that's the way they picture him. As a, as a good man, he had some good teaching. you know. He had some good things, some life principles to live by. Like that, That's how our, our culture pictures Jesus. They have this, they, they, they know of him, they just don't know him. Does that make sense? And so that's what, what these guys, they were very aware of things. But I love when you're kind of unpacking it, you're a little bit like, how much evidence did they need? How much evidence did they need? They, they, had, they had seen him that said that they, followed, they were followers, that they had followed him for a season. Then they had friends that came and said, hey, there's an empty tomb and an angel told us that he's been risen. They're like, yeah, that was strange. Then they go, <laughs> the, the, then they go, they go and they see the empty tomb themselves and then they're like, hmm, how about that? We should take a walk seven miles the opposite direction. Like, What? Like, don't you feel like sometimes that's us in in American culture? You're like, how much evidence do you need screaming about Jesus? Our time is set by it. Our calendar is, though we're still celebrating it 2,000 years later. Why don't we get it? Why don't we get it? Like, look at creation around us. It screams of a creator, but they just didn't see it because they're blinded. I think a piece of it had to do with unmet expectations. We see in verse 21 what it says there. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the one that would redeem Israel. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Israel was under heavy Roman rule at that time. And so their eyes were just wrapped up in their current circumstances. Just thinking, man, if he could just come here and set us free from Roman rule, that would be fantastic. But what they were missing was definition of redeem. Redeem was to not redeem them from their current circumstances. It was to redeem them to the relationship that they're designed to be in with Almighty God. They were just missing it. Just missing it. I've heard in junior high camps around the country a, a reoccurring statement that so many people miss heaven from 18 inches. The difference between head to what? Heart. And that's so true here. These guys, they, they knew about him. They knew of what he had done. They'd even experienced little glimpses of him. Evidence was screaming at it. But they just missed it. They were blinded. We continue in verse 25. We see, I, I labeled this section, it helps if we stop and think. Verse 25. And he said to them, Oh foolish ones and slow of heart, this is Jesus talking, finally calling them out in their confusion. I, I love this. Can you imagine a, a stranger, like in the first few lines of interaction with you, he says, oh, foolish ones. You know, but well, that's Jesus. That's kind of how he operated. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart. He, uh, but then he does something very kind. Instead of being frustrated, like I can imagine being like, how can you not see it? You know what I mean? Like he just slowly, patiently Walks them through all the Old Testament things that pointed towards Him, all the th- all the evidences that were saying that this had to happen like this. Said this is the way, this is the only way. There had to be a sacrifice, and patiently goes through showing them. It says all of the texts. I wish some of our Jewish friends could hear that there now. The the explanation, all the Old Testament. I wish I wish Ron had that CD on, on uh, recorded Jesus teaching them through the Old Testament. Can you imagine? And he unpacks them. He helps them to slow down and stop and think about this. By definition, foolish is not thinking through things rationally. Not thinking through things rationally. Not actually taking time to stop and think. Think about how simple the gospel message is if you actually stop and think through it rationally. Like, we've all sinned. Anybody want to argue that one? Anybody here want to say like, no, I've never blown it. Like Scripture says, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like nobody's going to debate that. If you are debating it, we can ask your spouse, and uh, <laughs> they can they can confirm that for you. Uh, mine can. And uh, and so like the 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 first piece, like the sin piece, like that's not confusing. We can all admit and acknowledge that. And that that sin, if there's a perfect God, if there's a perfect God, that sin separates us separates us in relationship from God but thankfully thankfully and that's the good news of the Easter story God didn't leave us in this predicament we can't fix it ourselves it's not something we can solve there's a I'm sure in this room there's a lot of fix it people especially guys tend to be like that any fix it people this is one you can't fix can't fix it on our, on our own Isaiah 65 4 says this we have all be, we all have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. It's an offense to God to try to earn our way to heaven, trying to do enough good deeds or, or to do enough to please him. But thankfully, he didn't leave us in this situation. He came, lived the perfect life, died as a sacrifice for the payment of our sins, but then gave us a choice as what to do with that free gift. We can either say, no thanks. He's, he's, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He gives us a choice to accept or reject him. Love this quote. It says, his blood was the red carpet into the throne room of God. His blood was the red carpet into the throne room of God. A lot of people think by avoiding this decision, that by putting it off, they can say like, hey, I'm not going to make it. Michael Jordan, uh, 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 a sports athlete in Chicago, you may not have heard of him, um, but a uh, very good basketball player. Uh, it was interesting, I heard uh, an interview once, it was like in a Christianity Today, they're explaining a conversation that somebody had a chance to actually ask him about what his thoughts were on, on Jesus and the whole gospel message, and he, he said, you know, that it, it, it may be true, but it's something I want to maybe figure out later on in life, right now I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. Isn't that so many people's mentality? some point I'll get to this. It's on the checklist. It's on the, the, the to-do list. But I just haven't gotten to it. But that's the, the case here with, with these gentlemen. Is, is Man, if they just actually stopped and thought about it, you start to recognize that everything around us screams the evidence of God and our need for Him. We continue in the text as we see next here that he does demand a response. Verse 28 says this, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted, I love Jesus messing with him again, he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Right after that, how crazy is this? And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And as he appeared and has appeared to Simon, then they, confirming what they had said before, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I love how this story plays out. First off, you see Jesus messing with them a little bit there. He, uh, he chooses to say, what does it say? It says that he acted as if he were going further. You know what that was? That was pushing them to make a response either accept him in, invite him in. Anybody familiar with that passage in Revelations? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is him knocking on their door. They had a choice to either embrace him or send him on his way. Thankfully, they chose to invite him in. Thankfully, they chose to invite him in, and that's, that, that's exactly what happened. When they invited him in, when they took a step towards him, that's when God chose to open their eyes. When God chose to reveal Jesus to them. Like that's when we take a step towards him. And how true is that in our own life? Like God might, might have been knocking on that door for a long time in your heart. And finally you took a step towards him and he took the blinders off. And that's what happened with these guys. That they had to take a step first. The truth is when we take a step towards him, he will never disappoint us. He'll always meet us at her point of need. And you see this, this place here in the story that, that man, when, when you encounter Jesus, it's always a radical experience. Like, can you imagine these guys were like, they're breaking bread or just had a bite. He's probably still chewing on the last bite. And they're, whoa, he just vanished. You know what I mean? Like, what happened there? I think we, we cruise past scripture stuff. Like, I don't know. Have you guys seen anybody vanish? Like, I mean, Copperfield, maybe, but like, like, but like, really, like somebody sitting next to you and just like gone, like they're they gone, like. And, and these guys were like, man, this changes everything. And I love seeing their re, their response after they experience the Almighty God in the Earth suit. What 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 happens? They they they, they do what? They they start heading. To, what time of the day is it? Does anybody know from the text? It's nighttime. They're having, having dinner. That's what they said to him. said, Don't, you don't want to, it's the day's far spent and you, you want to hang out here. And so it's nighttime. It, and how far are they from uh, Jerusalem? Seven miles. Seven miles in the, in the dark. And what are they doing? They're booking it back there to tell everybody. Because they're like, man, this is, this, is, this is news worth speaking about. This is news worth speaking about. And maybe for us here this morning, maybe that's the one takeaway. You're like, man, Maybe I've been secret agent Christian too long. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to actually start speaking about this. And look at, look at their definition of who they're talking about. All of a sudden, he went from being like the prophet, good guy, to what do they describe him now as? The Lord. The Lord is risen indeed. There's a turning point. All of a sudden, going from the, a good guy to the Lord, acknowledging who he was. And so when, when we've had that point in our life where we've acknowledged him as Lord and embraced him as our Savior, that changes everything. But my question is, are we that excited about it? Are we going out? Are we telling people about it? Is, a, is it on the tip of our tongue? Or have we just kind of gotten numb to it? No big deal anymore. That's what we see in the text here. They are passionate about it. When you've encountered the living God, you can't help talking about it. Then the last thing I wanted to point out here in the the text this morning is after they had encountered God, after they had encountered Jesus in the the flesh, and look at how they recapped. They said in verse 32, Did not our hearts burn burn within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn? Didn't it burn when we heard the, the gospel message? And for a lot of us, like we've heard it and our hearts have burned, but we just keep pushing it off. Just keep ignoring it. My hope in prayer this morning, even on Easter Sunday 2013, is that some burning hearts actually move some people to response. Actually move some people to response. I had a good conversation some years back with a, a guy named Keith, a good friend of mine. Had the opportunity, maybe you guys have had this before, I had the opportunity to sit down. And just lay out the gospel message from start to finish. Just explained just our fallen state, our need for a savior. Went through it in kind of every, every possible way that I could, as best as I could, explain this to him. And, and at the end of the conversation, you could see in his eyes, he was just kind of taking it all in. He was he's absorbing what was being said. The end of the conversation, I got to the point, I'm like, man, is this a decision you're, you're ready to make? And, and uh, is this something you want to do in your, in your life? Has, has bend your knee, turn from your sin, uh, embrace Jesus' death as payment for that sin? And, and he's like, you know, I, I just feel like I need to process through that a little bit and think on it. And, uh, and I was kind of messing with him. I'm like, well, be careful driving, you know, and look both ways when you cross the street. And, uh, and so I, I was messing with him a little bit. But then I asked him this question. I said, because he was... um. He was in sales. He actually sold, uh, sold diamond blades, which uh, I don't even know what those do. They cut stuff uh, sharply. And, uh, and so, uh, so just talking to him, and I knew he had a, a long commute with, it, with his job. And I said, why don't you do this for me? I said, do me a favor. I said, in the next week, I said, why don't you drive with your car? I knew he lived a busy, loud life. I said, why don't you drive with your car stereo off? Why don't you turn that off for a week? And I said, at the same time that you're doing that, I'm going to start praying that God will not leave you alone about the truth that we talked about here today, and I, uh, he's like, okay, cuckoo, you know, like he's a uh, like crazy, but but he's he willing. He's like, okay, I'll try try it out, and so he he, he agreed to that. We kind of went our separate ways, and so that was on a Sunday evening. on On Monday, was just committed to just praying for him. It was just like, hey, God, just do just do a work in, in his in his heart, and I uh, was just praying that God would just open his eyes, kind of like what had happened to these two gentlemen. And uh, Monday didn't hear anything from him. Tuesday didn't hear anything. Was still praying God to just do work on him. And, and uh, on Wednesday, get a phone call from Keith. And he sounds frantic on the other end of the line. He's like, he's like, Scott, he's like, you gotta stop praying, man. He won't leave me alone. He like, I can't get it out of my head, I can't get it out of my heart, I can't, I can't escape this. And and it was so cool because he's like, he's like, let's get together, man. I'm ready to bend a knee, like I'm ready to make this decision. And so we got to pray to accept Christ. And, and and the fun thing was exactly the same as this story. After he embraced Christ, he was no longer selling diamond blades, he was selling Jesus. Like he was he was going the 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 world, the circle of influence that he was in, like he was impacting, He's still making an impact today because God had met him at his point of need. His life had been transformed. So my prayer and hope this morning is twofold. For those of us that, that need to be getting out there, that that's happening. But then for those of us that have been maybe dating Jesus for a while, but haven't made that altar decision... You know what I'm saying? Like people have been kind of hanging out. You're like, I, we, we've spent time together, uh, but maybe, maybe this morning is the day that you come up to the altar, make some promises, you know, make a commitment, make a vow. That's my prayer and hope that eyes would be open. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we just thank you so much for the way that you've revealed yourself in your word. The fact that you didn't leave us guessing about all this stuff. That you came down in the form of a man, in a way that we could understand, in in a manner with simple stories, with experiences. You met us at our point of need. We're so grateful for that. We're so grateful for Jesus. Thank you this morning that we can celebrate a risen Lord. Not a defeated prophet on a cross, but a risen Savior and Lord I pray even as we're seeing these last couple songs that you'd be honored, that it'd be a sweet aroma to your nose, that anyone that's in this room, that you're working on their heart, that you that they wouldn't choose to just push that off and ignore it. That they'd get business straight with you here this morning. God, we're just excited to see how you're going to continue to work and move in this community. What would it look like if we had... A room like this that were just on fire for Jesus. Thank you so much for your grace and patience with us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you guys. I wanted to just pause for one last second. If there is somebody that was in this room that was kind of when we were talking about this whole stirring thing and they're heart weighing heavy about some of these truths presented if you wanted somebody just to talk with you to pray with you up here we've got some elders available up front we would love 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 to get any questions answered any way we can be a support uh, to you we'd love to do that here this morning i pray you have a wonderful week in christ god bless you all